Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. Exodus chapter 15, 14, I'm sorry, I don't want to rush things. Exodus chapter 14. The Israelites saw Pharaoh and his army coming down on them and they were greatly afraid. Because it was chariots and horsemen that were coming down and mustered all the chariots. It says 600 chariots and every chariot that was available, they mustered and were coming down on the Israelites. Exodus chapter 14, we are living in that space of time as we journey through Exodus, where the Israelites are trapped against the Red Sea by Pharaoh and his army coming after them. We've been focusing on the theme throughout all of Exodus. It should be memorized by now. A God who delivers, redeems, and dwells with his people. He has delivered them. He's redeemed them out of Egypt, but Egypt is now pursuing them again to recapture, to destroy, to whatever, and they are trapped, vulnerable and weak, against the Red Sea as Pharaoh and his army come down upon them. We haven't even gotten to the greatest part of this chapter yet. Like when we start getting into 15 and see what God does, verse 15, and on what God does in bringing about the final salvation of the people of Israel, it is just absolutely incredible. I have kept what I see as these two key thoughts in all of Exodus. Uh, I remain, it's important for me to keep them out in front. Uh, We're working through these four characteristics of a vulnerable and weak people who forget the Lord. But it's important to keep in mind that these four characteristics that I'm identifying are not the theme of the whole passage. The whole text is about God getting glory specifically over his enemies. He says it in verse 4. He says it in verse 17. He reiterates in 18, when I have gotten glory, not like if I get glory or if it happens that I get the glory. He says when I get the glory, God will be glorified. Keeping that out in front, God will be glorified whether we as one lift our voices together in song or not, God will be praised and he will receive the glory. God will be glorified. Also, God's people will see. They'll see the enemy coming. They'll see the enemy's defeat, and they will see the power of God over their enemy. And what does this do? This produces them glorifying God. So not only will God get glory, he will walk his people through necessary phases and situations of life where they turn and give glory to God. All of Exodus chapter 15 is about their thankfulness. Which brings us to today's message in Exodus 14, 10 through 14. Just four simple verses. Let's read them. Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. For the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. 
We have worked through the people of Israel being afraid. They feared greatly. Last week, we talked about the people of Israel and their, their being prone to look back on what was as better. Several times throughout their history, from Egypt to the Promised Land, they are going to look back and say, wasn't it better in Egypt? And they kind of show us that even here. It's because there were no graves. We could have died better there than out here in the wilderness. This week, we are looking at Israel being thankless as they are trapped against the sea by Pharaoh's army. I titled the sermon today, Thankful, Not Thankless. In our examination of these few short verses, I hope God's word inspires God's people to more of a life of thankfulness. Pastor, this is a really good November message when we eat turkey and pumpkin pie. Yes, as the people of God, that should be our mindset every single day of our life. Every day is a day of thanksgiving. We are to be a thankful people, but we are seeing a weak and vulnerable people here in the people of Israel be thankless. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I recognize my inability without your help to communicate your truth, and so I pray, Father, that you would help me. Father, that you would speak to me as you speak through me. I, I don't know why you use me to communicate your word. I will simply say thank you for redeeming me and using me for your glory. I pray, Father, that as your word is worked through and taught this morning, not just here but in many places, I pray, Father, that sinners would be humbled to repentance and salvation, that today would be the day that someone sees the salvation you have brought to them. Father, I pray that holiness would be promoted among your people, that we would become more like the image of your Son and less like the image of our old lives in this world. Help us to live holy and godly. I pray today through the preaching of your word that Christ, our Lord and Savior, our King on high, one day returning for his own, would be exalted in the heavens, in this place, and in our heart. We ask all this in his name. Amen. <clears throat> We've been examining four characteristics. Fearful, lamenting. We talked about that lament being more the regret of what was, not the regret for how I lived. They Israel regretted coming out of Egypt, not that they were ever there and perhaps living like them. They regretted that they were not still there instead of where God had brought them to. This week, thankless. Thankful, not thankless, is how the people of God should live. But we see in Israel, thanklessness. Highlighted that the people of Israel, as we examine this, keep it clear in our minds, the people of Israel, our representative then as the people of God and of the people of God throughout time. We are joined with Israel as the people of God today. So we are looking and finding ourselves in them. We all know how it goes. Uh, because of our culture and our mindset, perhaps around the world, but especially in America, we always want to identify with the good guy, the hero, the prominent one. We want to read this and we want to be Moses in the story when in fact we are Israel in the story. Maybe there are times when we are like Moses in the story, but it is more often than not that we are like the Israelites, and so we are finding ourselves in them. We've identified Pharaoh here, both the enemy of God and Israel, and representative of the enemy of God and God's people, Satan or the devil. 
The people of Israel have been delivered. They are vulnerable and weak. Pharaoh has pursued them because he saw them as shut in against the sea. So he has pursued them. Though they have been delivered and redeemed, there is still a great threat. I want to keep these things in front of us. It's easy for us to think, well, it must have been good for them. They watched God do all that stuff and brought them out. Yeah, they watched God do all that stuff and bring them out. And they're returning right to, what have you done for us, God? Aren't we sometimes prone to that? Though secure for eternity through faith in Jesus Christ, is it not often that we forget what God has done for us and what God has promised to us? We, like the people of Israel, are in a wilderness in this life, being transported through this life to the promised land by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here, we are vulnerable and we are weak. The enemy pursues us when we are weak. We can all think of times in our lives when a moment of weakness, whatever it may be, weak health or a moment of sin, whatever it is, there's greater temptation in those moments when maybe things are not going the way that we'd hoped, things are not going the way that we'd wanted. There is a greater temptation, it seems, within us, and doesn't the enemy highlight that temptation within us by coming after us? And here comes Pharaoh down upon the Israelites. It must also remain clear that as I talk about a vulnerable and weak people forgetting God, I'm talking about those who have professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who remain, the Bible would say, outside of the people of God, outside of the household. They're not yet in a position to forget or remember anything. Part of our examination and teaching of the scripture is one, to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ here in our gathering, also to arm and equip us to share the gospel outside. Have you come into the family of God? How do I become a family member? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of sin. Live a life after him according to his word. Join in in unity and community with believers in Jesus Christ and pursue him together in this life. I've become fond of saying, Pastor, what does discipleship look like in this life? It looks like this. This is the best illustration and I've been using this in a lot of conversations. Hey, look, it's Jesus. Let's go that way. There's discipleship for you. Hey, look, it's Christ. Let's go this way and let's go together. Let's lock arms. Let's arms around one another. Whatever it is, let's go after Christ in this life together. If you're here today and do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I would love to talk more with you about that. It says in Exodus chapter 14, right at the end of verse 11, look at what the Israelites say. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt. When a vulnerable and weak people forget the Lord, they live thankless lives. What have you done? There are two ways to look at this question that the people of Israel ask. What have you done? You've led us out of Egypt, and now we're going to be destroyed. What have you done to us? And what have you done to us? How is our situation any better than what it was Moses, and we see them longing. We could, have be- we could have died better there. It was better there. Thankless lives. Now, as we move along this morning, I want to make clear, there are elements of last week's lamenting and this week's thanklessness that kind of do like this as we talk. But I want to give us a statement that will help us separate lamenting the old life and being thankless. That statement is this. Lamenting looks back on what happened and appeared good. 
right? Israel is going to say several times over, we remember the food, remember the fish, remember the bread, remember the good things about Egypt. It'd be better if we were there. Lamenting looks back at what appeared to be good. Thanklessness looks around and sees no good. See the difference in those? Thanklessness looks around and sees no good. Moses, what did you do to us in bringing us out here? Were there not graves there? Was there not food there? Was there not drink there? Look where we are. How is this better? That's ingratitude. Lamenting looks back at what appeared to be good. Thanklessness looks around and sees nothing good. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? What have you done? A brief recap, and I said some things kind of interweave as we look at this week's thanklessness and last week's lamenting. We've got to consider what has been done. What have you done? I summarized it so that I didn't walk through all the same verses as last week. They've been delivered, remember, from the oppressive, ruthless hand of Pharaoh. Like, first and foremost, what have you done to us? Well, you're not under Pharaoh anymore. He's not trying to kill your babies anymore. He's not whipping you and beating you and giving you unfair work goals to accomplish. He's not taking things from you. You're not owned by him anymore. You're not there anymore. They've been delivered from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, where they were treated, the Bible says, ruthlessly as slaves, physically mistreated, unfairly treated. What have you done to us in bringing us out. This is what Moses, rather the Lord, did to them. What have you done to us? I freed you. You were slaves in bondage. And now you're not. Yeah, well, this, this circumstance, this situation is not better than that situation. But you're not a slave anymore. But we had meat but you were a slave. But we had drink, but you were a slave. But it was the cucumbers and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Slaves, beaten, mistreated, owned by someone else. Property, possession to be done with as wanted. You're not that anymore. Christian, I hope that you're considering the connections between our redemption through faith in Christ and the old life. The Bible likens the old life and our sin unto slavery. You were a slave. Nobody owned me. Yes, absolutely owned. In fact, do you know, in my opinion, and I'll state that very clearly, in my opinion, the great struggle is the fact that you don't realize how owned and controlled you were by your sin. And then when you step into faith in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, what happens? Well, quite literally, all hell breaks loose. All of a sudden, all the stuff that I used to love and don't want to anymore, I love it more. Why? Because you now know it's wrong. What happened? You know the difference between right and wrong. Actually, a great, strange thing happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They broke us by giving us what God did not want us to have. They broke everything. And now, when I see the tempting thing, which comes from where? My own heart. I see it, and I want it. I'm tempted by it. You don't realize this is why we fight. We're owned by our sin. Sin is our Pharaoh. Whoa. We don't even pay attention to how controlling our sin is in us. This is why we look around the world, 
and we simply see people living in sin. They're owned by it. Well, there's good people out there. Yes, good people owned by sinful desires and passions. At the end of the day, those who are not redeemed through faith in Jesus Christ are owned by their sins and their passions. God says to Israel here, you're not that anymore. What did you do to us? I set you free from that which controlled you. Whoa, whoa, write it down. I set you free from that which controlled you. Pastor, are you saying I can be free from my sin? I'm saying that through faith in Jesus Christ, it's not that you can be set free from your sin, it's that you are set free from your sin, and that's why Galatians says, don't submit again. You can not sin. But we choose to, because our sin is a powerful oppressor. Put sin away. This is what Moses did to them in bringing them out. Why don't they see it? They are thankless. If the children of Israel, in this moment, instead of looking back at Egypt and being afraid, do they, have, do they have reason to be afraid? We've talked about this. Yes. Legitimate reason to be afraid. Why? They're trapped. Pharaoh's coming after them. He is ruthless. He's already done awful things to us. We're in a bad spot. But should they be controlled by their fear? No. What should they do? They should put their hope and trust in God. I will not fear. I will trust in the Lord. Why should they do that? Because they have seen what... God has done. They have witnessed God's power already. Part of the struggle for us is that we weren't Israelites in Egypt, watching the water to be turned to blood, watching the flies, watching the gnats, watching the locusts, watching the darkness, watching the death of the firstborn. We didn't see those things, which is why Paul writes to us and says, we live by faith. I believe that everything God's word says concerning my redemption, my deliverance, my salvation in Christ was accomplished for me by him. He's done that and I have no reason to fear even when it's legitimate because all of God's promises are good to the people of God. Their thanklessness is causing them to forget the Lord. Pharaoh, army, sea, trapped, I bet there wasn't a thankless word. I bet there wasn't a thankless word when the water turned to blood, when the flies came, when the hail destroyed, when the cattle died, when Israel stood in broad daylight and their neighbor dwelled in thick darkness that caused them to not move for three days. Like, what is Israel? What are we doing if we're Israel? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're sparing us. You've spared us. God says, I will put a distinction. God, you've, you've set us apart even in this abominable place, even as we dwell in this land with which we are oppressed. We want to leave. You've set us apart, and we're seeing, and we're, I bet there wasn't a thankless word when all the firstborn of Egypt died and not the sons of Israel. We don't probably have to imagine there wasn't a thankless word as they took silver and gold and new clothes and marched out triumphantly. Thank you, God, for your deliverance from this oppressive life. And then in a matter of, what is it, days? Is it days here? What have you done to us? What good was all the deliverance if we're just going to die here? Are they going to die there? No. 
What fear, what reason do they have to fear? They see a legitimate thing that can cause fear. What reason do they have to fear? God's word to them has been, I will take you and I will bring you. I'm delivering you. You're mine. You're safe. You are secure. I have you. We get, we get so far in them. Next week we're going to look at Israel despairing. We get so far that Moses says to them, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. There's nothing for you to do, Israel. Just and watch God. God's word tells us that thanklessness, I got tired of using that word mentally this past week, so I had to find, like, what's another one? Ingratitude. To be grateful is to be thankful. To be ungrateful is to be unthankful. To express thanks is to express gratitude. To express no thanks is to express ingratitude. What have you done to us? Their lack of gratitude. Thanks for what God has done is causing them to forget what the Lord has said he will do and to think already on what he has done. Ours is a backwards and forwards hope and life of thanksgiving. Do you understand? We look back to the cross and we thank God for all that he has done. We look forward because of the cross at all that God will do. We are looking both ways. It's a life of thanks. They are able to look both ways to what God has done in Egypt and to where God has said they are going and they are able to give thanks. They are able to focus on the Lord. But here they are focusing on the situation in life around them and it's causing them to forget the Lord and to express ingratitude for all that he has done. What have you done to us? God's word tells us that ingratitude, thanklessness, is a mark of the unregenerate, the unsaved, the unredeemed, the lost, the non-Christian. Well, pastor, I don't know. I mean, I know people that aren't Christians and they live thankful lives. Yes, unsaved people are able to express thanks and be thankful. They're able to say thank you and they're able to show their appreciation for what you have done. That's true. Why? Because humanity is all one. We have ways of saying thanks, but the unsaved do not know why they're expressing thanks. The unsaved express thanks for what happens in a moment, and they move on. The saved, the redeemed, express thanks for a lifetime and into eternity for something that has been done. We focus on what has been done for us. This causes us to magnify our view of God when we focus on the work of God, when we praise him and thank him and give glory to him. Because of his work, we are magnifying and glorifying and exalting God. Unsaved people may express thanks, but they don't live thankful lives unto the Lord as the people of God are called to. Romans 1.18 says that the wrath of God is being revealed against man from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. That's what the wrath of God is coming for. All things that are not right. All things that are not godly. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Verse 21 says, who, although they knew God, did not give thanks to him. We see him, but we are living for ourselves. 
Thank you, me. I think I've done a pretty good job here. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2 says that in the last days, man, there's all kinds of views on the end times in the world. Let me help you simplify it. We're in the last days. It's been the last days since Christ left the earth. Christ has been a returning king since before he left. His return is coming soon at a day and an hour that is unknown. And we are to be living lives as the people of God ready for that departure from this life. First Timothy, Paul writes that in the last days, from then until now and through until God returns, people will be ungrateful. It's a mark of humanity approaching the end of time. Let me, let me ask as we look around the world, how ungrateful are we right now? I mean, good luck finding anyone anywhere that's actually giving thanks for anything. This should be identifying the people of God. When we see people that are thankful, we should probably start asking questions about, hey, I noticed, uh, I noticed your thankfulness there. Now, we normally lead in with, uh, I saw your truck you're driving. I saw that vehicle you got there. I saw your golf score. Like, great lead in. Hey, I saw your thankfulness. And I just wanted to ask, where'd you get that? Did that, did that thanks come from the Lord and what he's done for you? Man, you're, you're either going to open an awesome door of communication with someone, you're going to open an awesome door for the gospel, or somebody's going to be like, you're the weirdest person I've ever met. Please go. One of those three, please let me know how it works out for you. I'll do the same. We're gonna, I saw your thankfulness there. Where'd you get that? The people of God have been called out and separate from the world. But when the people of God forget what the Lord has done, we are prone to live thankless lives. Think about it. When does ingratitude build in us? When you forget what's been done, you're not thankful for what's been done. As you begin to focus on things around you and ingratitude begins to build within you, you begin to forget the Lord. Here's the people of Israel. Do they have any reason to be thankless here? No. Do they have reason to question what has been done to them? What have you done to us? Do they have reason to question it? No, not at all. None. What has been done is precisely, remember we've tracked this. This is why we worked so slowly through all of these chapters of Exodus to this point in time. We've tracked this, that God has been very specific and has done everything he said he would do. They have no reason to ask what have you done? But as their eyes focus on the army coming down on them, as they feel the splash of the waves coming up on them, as they're trapped and fear greatly and look back and see something better, now it's, what have you done? What have you done to us? Instead of being thankless, instead of forgetting the Lord and living thankless lives, a weak and vulnerable people must remember the Lord and live a thankful life. Pastor, I can't be thankful right now. Maybe you're sitting here, and as I talk, you're thinking, I can't be thankful right now. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm confused. I'm, take whatever adjective you want. I'm exhausted. I'm sick. I'm worn out. I just, this life, oh man, that's one of the worst ones we could go to. Now you're definitely not looking at the Lord. You're definitely looking around. I just can't be thankful right now. Well, you might be saying that. The people of God are to be marked by thanks to God. God's word never excuses your current emotion, 
your current mental state, your current physical state. God's word never excuses, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm worn out, I don't want to, I'm angry. God's word doesn't excuse those things. God's word simply says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Throughout the Bible, especially in the Psalms, give thanks to the Lord. I don't feel like it. Okay. You're not going to get a pass from the Lord. You'll get a pass from me because I understand. I get it. There are days we don't want to be thankful, aren't there? I can find nothing to be thankful for in this life. And what happens? What happens the moment we step into that time? I'm forgetting the Lord. I'm forgetting what he's done. I'm focusing on what's around me and not where I'm going, not what's been achieved for me. The people of God, marked by thanks. The Bible has several things to say about it. I wrote down just a few of them. Romans chapter 1. No, it's not chapter 1, that's for sure. Couldn't tell you what chapter it's supposed to be, but somebody will know. 7. It's supposed to be chapter 7. Romans 7, 24 and 25. Paul wrote, Who will save me from this body of death? A fantastic passage that when I was a teenager in youth group always twisted me around because it's the, I don't know what I do. I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do, but I want to do what I don't do, and I don't do what I don't. Ah, and as a youth, I just like sit there, just, why did you say it this way? Oh, it makes so much sense to me now. To every person who's confused by that, trust me, you're going to walk through something in your life where all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 is going to make a little bit more sense. He comes to this conclusion, though, and says, who will save me from this body of death? The only place I'm going is the grave, and who will save me? And he turns it back into thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He recognized, I have no hope outside of what has been done for me by God. Thanks be to God who saves us from this body of death. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ, oh, how deep. And let the peace of Christ rule. I love that word. Let it rule in your heart. Not just be in your heart. Not just reside there. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. To which indeed you are called in one body. I love that. Think about the words that are said here. The Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians to the church at Colossae. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which indeed you were called in one body. You've been called to the peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule to which you were called. He says at the end of the verse there, verse 15, and be thankful. That's an imperative command. Not a choice dictated by circumstance or emotion. The word of God comes to you and says, be thankful. Down in verse 17, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How popular the verse and how often do we leave off the end? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do everything in Christ's name who has secured your deliverance, your redemption, who is leading you to a promised land in eternity. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Like that changes a whole lot for us. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through him. The people of God are to be marked by thanks to God. Did you know we gathered here today? I would, I would love, 
You have no idea the restraint that holds me back from surveying every person that comes here every week to find out why are you here? Why did you come here? What brought you through the door this morning? It doesn't matter what brought you through the door this morning, but did you know that when you came through the door this morning as the people of God, Psalms comes to you and says, let us enter his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Psalm 100 verse 4 ends, and bless his name, giving thanks to him. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. That is the manner in which every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ should have come into this gathering this morning. I mean, did you? Did I? Let me tell you, I found plenty of stuff to not be thankful for this morning. Plenty. It snowed over and I didn't like that. I wasn't thankful for it. How dare I? God chose to have us live in a land where it snows. God made it do that. I don't like what you did, God. Whoops. See what happened to me? It's that quick. What did I do? Shifted off of focusing on God to focusing on my circumstance. And then I told God I didn't like what he chose to do with the weather where I live where he put me. How many people are, you don't have to put your hand, you're sitting in the same exact pew as me. Don't you smirk at me. Snowed overnight. We're not thankful for it. Give thanks. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for a day in this life. I don't care what the weather's done. I don't care what the roads are like. I don't care that my bagel got a little cold before I could eat it. I don't care. Thank you, God. Forgive me. How many of us came in this morning entering the gates of the Lord? Like, this is no special place. It's a room. Just a place. But when God's people come together, any place in which they are becomes a special place. Gather together in his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Have you done that? Come into his courts with praise. Listen, we can't understand fully the depth of this verse. But when we get to the tabernacle and if you read about the temple, you're going to have a greater understanding of what it meant to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is walking into, like, we got to try and compare it to something. Where are we at? Where are we at? It's walking into the president's office and saying, I've got some things I want to say to you. Just barge in and make your demands. Like, good luck getting into the building, let alone into the office, right? Let's think about that for a second. Good luck getting into the building, let alone into the office, when you just barge your way through. Husbands, Wives, how many of you know how to enter the gates of your wife, the courts of your husband? And another thing, is that how? Is that what we do? How many of you know how to enter the gates of dealing with your children? Kids, how many of you know how to go into the courts of your parents? And I've got some things to bring up. That's not love. We've lost love at that point. We are gathered here this morning, and every time that we gather, coming to, and I pray through, the gates of the Lord, and into his courts. You get that? Into his courts. God is a God who dwells with his people. There's a place where we get to, where we are before the Lord. And he says, you want to come here? You come with thanksgiving through my gates, and you come into my courts with praise. God's word. 
We don't get to change that. We don't get to dictate any other term. God, I'm, I'm thankful. And it, listen, I hope it's genuine. I'm thankful, Lord. Can I come in now? Why? So you can do what you want when you get in here? No, you give thanks because of what I've done for you. I've already done it. I'll do more in the future. You give thanks to me and you come in with praise. Pastor, I can't be thankful right now. God says, you want to enter my gates? You want to come into my courts? You be thankful. You give praise. No matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on around you, because the people of God always have something to be thankful for. And here's the Israelites, right there on the sea of the Red Sea, the shores of the Red Sea. What have you done to us? Look at what God says to his people through his servant Moses. The end of, the end of verse 13, the middle of it. He has said to them, fear not. People who remember the Lord do not have fear because they remember the promise of God, the plan of God, they view the command of God in light of eternity. The people of God remember the Lord by standing firm. Fear not, stand firm. I'm not going anywhere. The promise of God is good to me. I'm not, I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be tossed. God is holding me in his hand. Jesus literally says, no one. My people are here and no one is taking them from me. That's us, people of God, faithful in Jesus Christ. Fear not, stand firm, and what? See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. You think the ten plagues were something? You think the promise to Abraham 430 years ago was something? Stand still and be quiet and watch what God will do. Don't focus on the enemy bearing down on you. Focus on a God who's already brought you to this point. I'm already here. I'm already at the Red Sea. I'm already out of Egypt. God delivered me from Egypt, and I'm standing on the shore of the Red Sea, and they're coming, but God brought me here, so he must want me here. There must be a purpose for which I'm standing here, trapped against the Red Sea, with Pharaoh's army coming at me. Lord! Oh, when we get into verse 15 and on. Why do you cry to me? Look what God says in verse 15. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. You're not going back there. They've already seen across 10 plagues, they've left Egypt, but they're so quickly forgetting. And aren't we prone to forget just like them so quickly? They have the promise of God, the plan of God, the command of God. A vulnerable and weak people, when they forget the Lord, are prone to thanklessness. As vulnerable and weak people remember the Lord, when we remember the salvation, stop and think about it. Stop and think about when you came face to face with what John Newton said was amazing grace. Think about the moment your soul was set free and you were able to burst out in song, it is well with my soul. When nothing mattered around you because you saw the work of God. Now, you can put yourself into the context of the Israelites. There's Pharaoh. Here's the sea. Now what? Stand firm, fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord. As vulnerable and weak people, remember the Lord. 
when we remember the salvation he has brought us, we remember his faithfulness throughout all generations, we know we are going somewhere. God is leading. We have nothing to fear, nothing to lament, nothing to be thankless over. Has God saved you? Has God delivered you from Egypt? Has God redeemed you through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ? Pastor, I'm not sure. I'd love to talk with you. Has God delivered you? Has God redeemed you? Yes, Pastor, I believe he has. Then don't lose sight of the thankfulness that you should be living out every day regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, God, I am thankful. I come to your presence today, not because you're in control of the weather, but because you're in control of me, and I woke up today. I come thanking you. I thank you for grace. I thank you for mercy. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for your never-failing love. I thank you for your justice. I thank you for your eternality. You live forever, God. I praise you. Embrace Christ. Father, I come to you today. Father, and I pray that we would be a people who embrace Christ and live thankful. You have saved to the uttermost and you are able to continue to do it. Father, we pray for the unsaved. We pray for those in our midst, for our young children. Father, for those that we have contact with who they are not able to remember you. They don't even know you. Father, save them. And we desire this so earnestly because we are able to look back and remember what you have done for us in delivering us, in redeeming us, and taking us out of our oppressive life in sin and setting us on a path that is lit by your word, that is headed for your eternity, that is to give glory to you. Father, we look and we see and we remember what you have done and out of all of this, it only produces from us, oh, Father, strengthen us to give you thanks more. For you are good, and your love endures forever. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at Until next time, stay in God's word.